This is Nutshell Politics, a show where we discuss what you need to know about current events, international relations, political conflict, and my favorite topic of discussion, terrorism. The mainstream media isn't always the best at reporting on international events. They often lack depth, context, and understanding, a problem unfortunately driven by ratings. But here, on Nutshell Politics, I seek to fill those gaps, and most importantly, to make sure you know what's actually going on out there. So let's dive in. Hey everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Nutshell Politics. My name is Justin Kinney, and I will be your charming host this week as we dive into kind of a fun topic that I have on tap. I mentioned last week that we had recently passed the one-year anniversary of me starting this podcast, starting Nutshell Politics, and I was really excited about that. When I first started, I wasn't quite sure I'd ever make it to a year, and I wanted to do kind of a fun episode to celebrate, and so today we're going to be doing kind of a... An interesting episode, a bit of a storytelling one, where we talk about this little tiny Norwegian island way up north called Samaroy. And uh, before we get into that, I just wanted to say thank you to all of those people out there who have been listening to me over the last year, whether you've been listening since episode one or you just started. I really appreciate all of you. Uh, thanks so much for continuing to tune in and allowing me to continue to doing this. And going forward, if you are enjoying the podcast, let me know, uh, review it rate it, tell your friends, help me spread the word about this. I would love to continue to grow this as we go into year two. I want to add a couple different new segments, including possibly doing some interviews with people, make it more of a conversation. And I can't really do that without your support and your help. So please uh, continue to listen, let your friends know, pass the word along about nutshell politics. And I would really appreciate all of that. So let's go ahead and dive into the fascinating story of the tiny fishing village of Samaroy, Norway. Now, the town of Samaroy, Norway, is an old fishing village way up on the north side in a county of Norway called Troms. It is about 22 miles, give or take, to the, the larger city of Tromso, uh, Tromsø, I believe I pronounced that. And it's a, a very popular tourist destination, or I should say a relatively popular tourist destination, because it's known for being very scenic. Uh, it is a small village. It has a, only about 300, maybe 320 or so people in it. So it's very, very small. And it is basically two islands that are kind of adjoined. The island of uh, Stor Samaroya, as well as the a neighboring island called Hilasuya. And then there's actually several smaller surrounding islands as well. But those are the kind of the two main ones. And it, as I said, it's basically a fishing village. Uh, there's a lot of fishing that takes place in Norway in general. And especially as you get kind of pretty far north in Norway, it's one of the main sources of income uh, up there. Now, as I said, there are also tourists who come to this part, and tourism is very important in Samurai. Uh, so there are like hotels and rental cabins and things, and it's not that uncommon for people to go up there and rent out a cabin and stay there for, you know, for brief vacations and things like that. Now, all of that's well and good, but it doesn't really make it particularly interesting. There's lots of fishing villages out there. There's lots of little tiny you know, enclaves where people like to go visit for the scenery and the beaches. And so that's, that's all really interesting, but it's not unique. So why am I talking about Samaroy, Norway? And the reason I'm doing this is because it's one of the few towns that actually sits north of the Arctic Circle. Or I should say, uh, within the Arctic Circle. And what that means is that... 
they experience days and nights very differently than a lot of the rest of the world because they sit so far north, again, inside that Arctic Circle area. The sun doesn't set in Norway in, in Norway and Samaroy from May 18th all the way through July 26th. They go through over two months without the sun ever setting. In other words, they basically have permanent daytime for a little over two months. And you actually see the very same thing. You get these long nights from basically November through January. Again, you get a two to three month stretch where the sun doesn't rise at all because of, of how far north they are. And so what this means is that for four months out of the year, they don't see any difference between night and day. Actually, more than four months, closer to, to five or more months. And so what this means is that they experience day, night, time very differently than the rest of the world. When the sun doesn't set for 69 straight days, time seems to blend together. And what you see is that this island actually experiences that in kind of a, an unusual way because you will have these these few months that are essentially kind of a free-for-all where you know children adults they don't adhere to the same like time structure that we would because you know, they can go out and mow the lawn at midnight or go for a swim or or receiving typical phone calls at two in the morning because to them it's not really morning it's it's just daylight it's very strange and because of this they actually do see a very different life and very different lifestyle especially during these few months than you would typically expect now the word samurai in norwegian means summer island and this is partly due to this kind of part of the year where that name really means something because for this whole summer it is it is strictly the same it's it's summer there's no sun setting sun rising it's just daylight all the time for the full summer. Now, the reason they have been in the news and the reason I came across them is because not that long ago, they started a marketing campaign aimed at bringing in tourists. Uh, some people refer to it as fake news. I think that's a, a misnomer because there actually is a contingent of people on the island who want this. But some of their local inhabitants have started to make or push for a campaign to eliminate themselves or to to bring to remove themselves from the concept of time zones and to basically abolish what's called civil time on the island. Now, civil time is basically what you would consider like local time indicated by the clock on the wall. That's kind of a modern usage of it. Now, before we move on, I do want to clarify just a little bit about what I mean when I say time zones. I know we're all familiar with the concept of changing time as you cross into different time zones, but just for a quick definitional sake, a time zone is basically a region on the Earth that observes some sort of standard uniform time across that whole region. And we do it for a lot of different purposes, a lot of times social purposes or, or commercial or, or legal issues. But basically, time zones tend to standardize time across a region to make things easier. And time zones do tend to follow the borders of countries. So a lot of times we tend to think of them as straight blocks. And in theory, they should be. But again, because it's more of a convenience thing, they do tend to follow the boundaries of countries or states 
in like here in the United States, although it does occasionally split states. The state I live in, Tennessee, gets split right down the middle. Uh, if you're in Knoxville, you're in one time zone and Nashville is in another. So we do see sometimes it splits states or countries, but a lot of times they do kind of follow the borders in order to just keep the same time in a particular region. Now, most time zones are offset by about an hour or a couple hours maybe, but whole numbers. And then this also gets skewed by uh, daylight savings time, which can also then adjust the local clock by an hour or so, and not every place recognizes that as well either. Now, time zone and the concept of time zones goes back uh, centuries, really. Greenwich Mean Time was established in 1675 when they built a royal observatory in Greenwich. And the purpose here was to give uh, mariners or seafarers a way to determine longitude at sea, providing basically a, a reference point for time. But this was not standardized across the area well, because pretty much every city in England kept its own unique time. Uh, so we didn't see that change until much later. Then you get railway time, which was really important for for railway companies to keep time. And then eventually we see time zones become proposed in the 1800s. Uh, a guy by the name of Carico Filippanti, he was an Italian mathematician, introduced the idea of like a worldwide system of time zones like we have today in the 1850s. He wanted 24 hourly time zones, which is again, fairly close to what we have today. But the idea here was that he wanted uh, a universal time to be kept for things like astronomy and other types of sciences that needed to, to adhere to time. Eventually, actually his book gets completely ignored at the time, and a man by the name of Sanford Fleming comes along, who was uh, in, he was in Canada, I believe, at the time, about 20 years later. He also suggested a, a system very similar to this. And then over the next 20 years or so, we start to see different places on Earth adopt this kind of standard time zone element. And pretty much today, all nations use standard time zones for these purposes. Now, there are a few exceptions to how they are set up. As I said, some countries use kind of half-hour deviations, others 45 minutes, like, like Nepal. Uh, there are certain provinces that also go on quarter-hour deviations. Then there are some countries like China that uses a single time zone for the entire country, even though they are much wider east-west than would typically be seen in a single time zone. Obviously, here in the United States, at least the the lower 48 states, we have four here in, in the U.S. Uh, China, though, uses one for the whole country. Uh, so we do see a couple cases like that as well. But more or less, we see this time zone factor around the entire world. But Samuroy is hoping to possibly change that. And so there have been several people in the kind of local community of Samuroy that are trying to declare themselves as the, the world's first time zone free island or time zone free city and this is as you might think this strikes you as kind of extreme but they have gained you know roughly 100 signatures which is about a third of the town's total population and while the details on this are a bit fuzzy it's actually a pretty fascinating test of what does it mean to have time now the the guy who's leading this a man by the name of uh hevding has argued that it basically removes the stress of having a rigid schedule from your lives. Now, obviously, the logistics of this would need to be worked out pretty extensively uh, because you, people still need to go to work, they still have school, they still apparently will need to go to meetings and 
set up schedules and how do you do that if you can't reference a clock. So there's a lot of logistics here that would need to be worked out and going entirely free of time zones and time and clocks would be probably way too complex. But we're going to go ahead and take a short commercial break and on the other side we will talk about uh, the biology basis of time zones as well as some of the possible implications of this going forward. Uh, so stick with me through a short commercial break, and I'll be back with you guys in just a minute or so. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back. Thanks so much for sticking with me through that short commercial break. Allowed me to rest my voice for a minute. We're going to go ahead and dive right back into the topic. Uh, now, before the break, we were talking about the town of Samurai, Norway, and how they were recently engaging in kind of a marketing campaign of a push to become the world's first time zone free city and i mentioned that the intricacies here and the details are probably too complex to get rid of time entirely but it actually goes back to a, a very biological argument here because the human body has has a natural daily rhythm that is synchronized to the sun it's not synchronized to clocks uh, the human body doesn't take its direction from the the watch on your wrist but you know humans didn't develop this connection to the sun you know up in the arctic circle we did it in the rest of the world and our, our bodies have kind of adapted to a 24-hour cycle that is generated by the rotation of the earth and so by kind of breaking that cycle and trying to go against it and operate timelessly that kind of breaks that natural 24-hour cycle and a lot of our bodies kind of normal functions sleeping and waking and eating etc kind of naturally follow this 24-hour cycle and scientifically speaking they've actually gone into like our in, into our bodies and shown that our body parts respond to day and night independently from our brain which means that each individual cell basically of our body has this kind of weird connection to the to our to an internal clock that is on a, a roughly a 24-hour cycle and it's been shown in studies that if you kind of break that natural rhythm you can have potentially harmful health effects you get increased risk for heart disease digestive issues cancer depression and when you don't have a typical light cycle our cells seem to continue to have this regular clock. We've seen the clock carry themselves out in people who have, say, been trapped or holed up in caves and bunkers uh, for weeks or months. They them like their brain loses a sense of time, but their bodies still kind of display this basic 24-hour cycle, which would suggest that the internal clock that we have exists somehow outside of the way that our brains think of or construct time. And so whether or not we like it, human bodies are inherently tied to time. Now, you will frequently hear this referenced as the circadian rhythm. The word circadian itself actually means around, which is uh, the Latin circa, and diem, which means day, and so around a day. And it's there's an entire like formal study of these kind of temporal rhythms in the human body uh, called chronobiology, and they study things like this. But basically, the idea here is that these circadian rhythms are endogenous, or they're, they're kind of built in to the human body over time, 
and over multiple generations and they basically adjust to the sun and what we've done for for hundreds to thousands of years is adjust to this this cycle and we actually see this take place in other other entities as well other animals also plants uh, if you go back all the way to the fourth century bc there was a, a ship captain who was part of alexander the great's uh, navy and he basically talks about the leaf movements of a specific type, type of tree and it was uh, basically ob the observation of a a tree-based circadian rhythm now we see it pop up in humans in chinese medical texts back all the way to the 13th century and other doctors there was a french scientist in the 1700s who talked about uh 24-hour patterns and leaves and things and he tries to distinguish he, he tries to make a difference between like what's the endogenous clock and what we're actually just responding to on a daily basis and so we've seen studies on sleep deprivation do this there was a, a guy named Szymanski back in 1918 who did a, a sleep study on animals that tried to take away some of these external cues like light and temperature and then tried to see if they would maintain their rhythm and found that they did we see this in bees and all kinds of mammals and plants and other types of insects. It's very, very common kind of across the animal kingdom and obviously across humans as well. Now, there can be abnormalities with this. There is something that is called the circadian rhythm disorder. And so these are people that have kind of an abnormal circadian rhythm. Frequently, you'll hear them uh, as sleep disorders. So sleep disorders can be caused by kind of a dysfunction in the biological clock system. I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but basically what, what I'm referencing is that the human body has this kind of natural internal clock sense built up. And the cycle that we've built up was developed over, again, thousands of years of, hum of humankind in a non-Arctic circle environment where there was, you know, sun and darkness and day and night and our bodies adapted to that but because there are now people who live in some of these extreme conditions say in the arctic circle like like samaroy they're kind of challenging a lot of this concept of circadian rhythms 24-hour cycle internal clocks and what that actually really means now as i mentioned when I first talked about this, is that this this concept of a time-free zone in Samaroy was really a marketing stunt, basically, by some of their, their tourism agencies. It was a marketing practice that they were trying to push to drive tourists up. But the truth is, there is a chunk of the locals who basically make the most of these summer months with zero regard to any sort of conventional timekeeping. And so the idea of kind of erasing the time zone concept or getting a time-free zone is probably a bit overblown by the PR machine coming out of Samaroy. But there is a lot of truth to this because it did actually originate with some of the islanders a while back by this guy named Hivding. But the man in charge of it, as I said, basically has talked about how, you know, to many people in this in this area, not obviously not just this island, but probably others as well that kind of live so far north, they're basically, they've been practicing kind of time-free living for a long time. It's a long-standing practice on these islands because that's just how they've lived with these kind of extreme changes in day and night. And I'll go ahead and give you a, a quote from this guy. He says, 
Uh, there's constantly daylight here, and we act accordingly. In the middle of the night, which city folk might call 2 a.m., you can spot children playing soccer, people painting their homes or mowing their lawns, and teens going for a swim. And essentially what they're doing is, is living a time-free or a life free of the constraints of what you might typically think of as as time. And it's it's a really fascinating idea that this town has really kind of embraced. Uh, when you cross the, the bridge into the island off of the mainland of Norway, you frequently will see on bridges, like the famous one in France, of people putting little padlocks on the bridge or, or whatever. But what they've done with this bridge is the bridge is covered with watches. Uh, they, they attach their watches to it. Because the idea here is that as you enter the town, you're entering, quote-unquote, the land that time forgot. Or you're entering a, a town where you can leave your watch behind because it doesn't matter if it's 2 in the afternoon or 2 in the morning. It's still daylight out. It's still you know just like it would be any other time. And so we're actually coming up to the end of their daylight hours when they might actually start to see a, a sunset at some point. As I said, it goes through until kind of the end of July. So we've got about two weeks left of this. But the islanders here are basically really hoping that by publicizing this kind of small movement among their their citizens, that they can drive up tourism for people who want to go up and see this land without time. Uh, and it's actually, I find this you know really fascinating. You know why, if there's really no night, there's no need to adhere to any sort of rigid schedules. I would still argue you still kind of need some sort of timing or clocks. You can schedule meetings or just to meet up with your friends. You know, how do you say we'll meet you at a certain time if you don't have a time? So you're obviously going to need time to a certain extent. But if you go a nearly 70 day period without darkness ever, you know, crossing the sky, there's a lot of flexibility that emerges out of this because without having to adhere to the rigid schedule of, as he called them, city folk, you're able to be a lot more productive, a lot more, or let's say a lot less tied down, and you could be more flexible with, with what you do and when you do it. And we see the citizens of this town actually start to really embrace this too. In those kind of summer months, uh, we see that the residents of this town, it's been shown, actually sleep less during this time period, and they they spend that daylight time doing things, you know, just being alive, going out and having fun and being productive. And and then, of course, on the opposite side, too, back in the November to January months, you end up with a period where it's dark, literally, all of the time. And it's it's just a very unique situation. I just, I just think this is such a fascinating story. I'm always fascinated, interested in people who live in unusual circumstances, unusual settings, uh, whether it's the people who've adapted to live in the desert or those who live in igloos in the north or people like this you know, fishing town who live so far north that they're essentially outside of time. I, I just find it really fascinating when people have, a, the way people have adapted to live in such extreme environments. Uh, humankind is is very diverse and that's that's incredible but we're also very resilient and we're very flexible and adaptable and I, I just think that really speaks to the benefits of, of humankind and in humanity in general i think it's just really really cool so if you're looking for a good spot to go for your next vacation you know consider norway consider samaroy it might be one of the more unusual and more unique places that you'll ever visit and especially if you're doing it during the summer uh, you know, it'd be a good chance to see what it's like to have a day that never ends. Uh, but with that, I'm going to go ahead and close out the episode. I know 
today's episode was a little bit more on the the shorter, lighthearted side, but I wanted to do something kind of fun and lighthearted as we celebrate the the one year anniversary of nutshell politics now i do have a couple episodes i'm planning to to build in over the next few weeks uh, including one big one that was recommended to me and i've been kind of doing the research on it ahead of time it's a big topic where we're going to talk about europe and kind of the possibility of the breakdown of the eu and, and revolution against kind of the order that has been established there since World War II. It'll be a little bit more of a predictive episode, a little bit more philosophical one, but I think that'd be really fascinating. Uh, and I have a couple other episodes in the pipeline as well. If you're at all interested in having me cover a certain topic or a certain current event, uh, please let me know. I would obviously love to hear from you guys, and I obviously will keep my ear to the ground too about current events, and if something crops up that we need to talk about, I will jump in and do that as well. But if you have something specifically, let me know. Uh, you can always reach me on social media. You can connect with me there on Twitter at Justin R underscore Kinney. Find me, hit that follow button. I'd be happy to continue this conversation with you there. If you don't use Twitter or you prefer using Facebook, you can find my author page on Facebook. It's called J. Robert Kinney. And that's the name I write fiction novels under. I have two novels out, one called Precipice and one called Splintered State. Both of them you can find on Amazon for both paperback and for Kindle. So please go check those out. I'm really excited about that as well. And you can find my author page and hit that follow or subscribe button. I think it is on Facebook. And I'd be happy to connect with you there as well. If you're interested in supporting this podcast uh, going forward in any way or advertising on the podcast you can find my patreon account online or you can just talk to me and i'd be happy to talk with you more about advertising or anything else as well uh, but with that i'm going to go ahead and close out the episode thanks so much for tuning in and listening this week but until next time here on nutshell politics my name is justin kinney and i am out in three two one